Hi everyone, I'm Gary Lewis and welcome to the GEO Podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about gold. So for me and for many other people, going out and collecting gold probably was one of the things that got me really hooked on geoscience. And so I thought what I would do today is talk about the science of gold. What are its properties? Why do we use like panning techniques and other techniques to look for gold based on those properties and so on? And I'm hoping that by the end of this session, you get a better appreciation of what gold is, what its properties are, and how that may help you be better at finding it out in nature. And for my teacher friends out there, gold is a really cool material to use when you are teaching your kids about the properties of materials and absolutely about how to separate materials based on their properties. So let's make a start. The first thing I want to talk about is that gold is a metal. There are other very common metals that are around that people are used to, like copper and steel and tin and lead and zinc. And gold is one of those metals that can be found as a pure metal in nature. Most of those other metals cannot just be found as a metal in nature, but that we've had to take the ore, so minerals containing those elements, and go through some sort of extraction process to get the metal out. But with gold, we can actually find gold as the metal gold around the planet in almost everything. The trick is to find where it's been concentrated enough that you can actually identify it and collect it. But we'll talk more about that later. Being a metal makes gold an exceptionally good conductor of heat and an exceptionally good conductor of electricity, which puts it in demand certainly in the electronics industry. And of course, being a metal, gold is a solid at room temperature, and in fact, so are all the other metals with the exception of one, and that is mercury. The next and most important property of gold is that it is a very, very heavy substance. In fact, gold weighs about 19 times more than water. So what that means in practical terms If you have a one litre, close to being one quart, size container and you filled it with water, it would weigh around about a kilogram, so a couple of pounds. But if you filled the same container with gold, it would weigh 19 kilograms or around about 40 pounds. So gold is exceptionally heavy. Another property of gold is that it really is relatively soft It is just harder than your fingernail, but not as hard as, say, a copper coin. Pure gold is actually too soft to make strong jewellery. So therefore, other substances are added to gold to make it stronger for things like chains and rings. And we'll talk about the purity of gold a little later. The chemical stability of gold is really stable. It doesn't want to combine with other substances and therefore it doesn't really corrode or tarnish or rust like many of the other metals do. And it's really why we find gold almost always as pure gold in nature. We don't find it like a gold rust, for example. And geologists refer to substances that occur in nature by themselves as native elements. But getting back to how chemically stable it is, 
because it doesn't rust or tarnish, gold really becomes an excellent substance for using in electronics and certainly wiring in electronics. You can make gold wires really, really thin because they're not going to rust or corrode and break and therefore make that piece of electronics useless. Likewise, gold is used in spacecraft for exactly the same reasons. Which sort of brings us to the next properties. Gold, like most metals, can actually be beaten into very, very thin sheets. And the term that we use for that is malleable. So gold is very malleable. And in fact, we see it on spacecraft, these gold layers, but the gold layer is incredibly thin. It's beaten into thin sheets, thinner than human hair. Likewise, gold can be beaten very, very thin and used to coat things. So many statues and things that you see that are look like they're solid gold are in fact just covered in these gold sheets. Gold also can be drawn into thin wires and we call that property ductility. So gold is very ductile. The wires we can pull out of a piece of gold can be so, so thin that you can hardly even see them. So gold is ductile, meaning it can be pulled into wires, and malleable, meaning it can be beaten into thin sheets. If you took a piece of gold and you tried to melt it, it'd melt at about 1,940 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 10,060 degrees Celsius, um, and it boils considerably at a higher temperature, 4820 Fahrenheit or 2660 Celsius. In comparison, that is a lot cooler than you would need to melt iron. And again, it's one of the reasons why gold has been used for many, many, many millennium by humans, because not only could you draw it into wires, beat it into sheets, but you could actually melt it fairly easily. So let me go through those properties again. So gold is a metal, it's incredibly heavy, it's chemically stable and we find it in nature by itself, so it's a native element. It can be drawn into thin wires, so it's ductile, and it can be beaten into thin sheets, so it's malleable. And all these properties together have made it something that's been sought after by humans for many, many thousands of years. In fact, if we go back 2,000 years, the name for gold by the Romans, so in Latin, was aurium. And even through to this day, we use the chemical symbol AU for aurium to represent the element gold. So that's a little bit about the properties of gold, and we're going to talk more about how we can use those to separate it from other things later on. But now I want to talk about what really is pure gold. If you have ever had a discussion with people about jewellery, you will hear people throw terms out about, oh, look, that's solid gold, or that's 18 karat gold or that's 14 karat gold so what the hell does all that mean i already mentioned that pure gold is really too soft to make strong jewelry out of like chains and rings and so other substances are mixed with gold to make it stronger and the measure that we use for that is referred to as a carrot and that's carrot spelt c-a-r-a-t-s not like the carrot you eat and the carat measure is a measure of 24ths. So 24 parts out of 24, if they are all gold, then you have pure gold. 
However, if 16 parts of the 24 parts are something else, like silver, then you have 18 remaining parts that are gold, so that becomes 18 karat gold. And if you have something that is 9 karat gold, that means that 15 other parts are made of something else. So in fact, you've got more of something else than you actually have of gold. Well, that's what we use when we talk about jewelry, but there's actually another measure that is used for the purity of gold, and that's referred to as fineness. Fineness works in the same way as carrots. Instead of there being 24 parts, there is a thousand parts. And that's why if you ever see a photograph of say a gold bar or an ingot and there's a stamp on it, most of the time you will see it marked as fineness. So 999 fineness means that 999 parts out of the 1000 are definitely gold and it's probably the most pure gold that you will ever see. And I should mention that sometimes, especially on gold coins, you will see it written as a percentage so 99.99% pure sometimes referred to as the four nines of purity but again it is another measure of purity of gold so I mentioned earlier that you can find gold in lots of different places and in fact you can find gold almost everywhere it's in the water we drink it's in your skin it's in your hair but the amount of gold in these places is just so, so small, measured in parts per thousand million, that you would never be able to extract it and be able to use it as the metal gold. But fortunately for us, over millions of years, normal and standard earth processes of erosion and weathering and heating and volcanoes and all of those things have been able to concentrate gold from those spread out very, very diffuse concentrations and place them all into one spot. And we call those a gold deposit or an ore deposit containing gold. Now, there are many, many different types of gold deposits, but I'm going to mention one that I think is easy to understand and explain to people, and it will give you an idea of the types of processes that are involved. So if we take a volcano that's spewing out volcanic ash and volcanic rocks over millions of years, within those volcanic ashes and rocks that are put out are minute amounts of gold. Then if we take those piles of rocks and from the heat of the volcano deep below, we heat up water that's in the earth and let the water circulate through those rocks, it will get hotter and hotter and hotter and in fact become acidic and leach things out of the rocks, including gold. So now, instead of having this huge area that's got little minute pieces of gold, the gold is now being concentrated in these hot waters, and when the hot waters cool, the gold can crystallize out, and there we have a gold ore deposit. And like I said, there are many other ways, but that is one way that a natural earth process can concentrate gold. Then much later on, those ore deposits get weathered and eroded, and the gold gets washed down from those deposits into creeks and eventually out into the ocean. But it is in those creeks and rivers where they've been washed down to that people find gold by gold panning. And that brings me back to the process of how we can use the property of golds to extract it from something like sand and gravel in a creek bed. Remember I said gold is incredibly heavy, it's 19 times the weight of water. 
So if we take sand and gravel from the bottom of a creek bed that contains gold, then we can use a very simple process to separate the gold from the other material. Because the gold is so much heavier than the other rocks and things that are there in the creek, then we can place it in a pan and shake it. And just by shaking the material with water in the pan, the gold will work its way to the bottom just because it is so heavy. The technique of gold panning is to be able to tilt the pan as you shake so the lighter material falls out of the gold pan, leaving just the gold and any other heavy elements in the bottom of the pan. Now there's quite a technique to do this, but it's something that's simple and you can show kids how to do it in your classroom just with a bucket and some sand and if you throw in some lead sinkers into the bottom of the pan and use that instead of gold or if you're really rich go and get a gold coin and use a file on it and put some gold shavings the kids can practice on separating those heavy things out of the sand using the gold panning technique now i want to finish up this session by talking about the things that fool people into thinking they have gold yes the fool's gold because not everything that is gold in color and glitz in your bottom of your pan is necessarily gold. And the two major things that fool people into thinking they have gold is the mineral pyrite, which is an iron sulfide mineral, and a mineral mica that can get a yellowy tinge but certainly can glint in the bottom of a pan. I should point out that both of these things don't weigh anywhere near as much as gold. And so People find them normally as a chunk, like a big hand specimen, rather than in a pan while they're panning. But let me explain how you can tell whether the thing you've got in your hand is gold or not. Firstly, it needs to be really, really heavy. So if you've picked up something and it feels really, really heavy, and it looks like it could be gold, then chances are what you've got is pyrite rather than the mica. And if it's the pyrite, take it and scratch it against a back of a kitchen tile, a white tile surface. We call that streak because what we're looking at is the color of the powdered mineral. And in pyrite, it is a greeny gray color. And if it was gold, the powder would be gold. You can tell them directly apart because of that. And I will also say that gold, you'll be able to scratch with a copper coin like a penny, but pyrite you will not. Pyrite is considerably harder. And if you've got a really big piece and you're game, hit it with a hammer. If it's gold, you'll be able to flatten it out. If it's pyrite, it'll break up into little cubes and you will notice a whole little pile of black and green powder, which is that powdered mineral color, that street color again. And the micas, well, they form like little sheets, like in a book. So you get very, very thin slithers. And most of the time we don't find gold like that. Certainly not when we're panning. We might get like little tiny flakes but not like flakes of a book. They are, if you could pick them up and feel them, they're sort of rounded in your fingers. The larger ones we refer to as nuggets. So sometime in the future, I'll actually do a podcast while I'm panning and talk through the process that I go through so people can hear about that. But for now, I just wanted to talk about the science of the material, the element, the substance, the metal, gold. So that's the end of this session. But like always, if you're looking for more information about things geoscientific, then please visit our website, GeoEtc, that's G-E-O, 
etc.com where you'll find information, more podcasts and activities. And if you're a teacher, a whole pile of things that you can do with your students in your classroom. But for now, keep on rocking.